Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Thursday, we are counting down the USC homecoming game against the Arizona Wildcats, and we're going to talk all about that with Keely Yor. You can follow her on Twitter, at Keely is my name, doing a great job covering the Trojans all the way back since she was sophomore at USC. Freshman, actually. Freshman? So- sophomore with you, freshman with Annenberg. Ah. Yes. She's been doing this a while. Uh, Not as what- long as you. No, I mean, but Close. <laughs> No. Maybe not close. Well, welcome, Akili. How are you doing? <laughs> hello, hello. Doing well. Thanks for having me on, Ryan. Of course. It's good to have you uh, in the studio. We're going to do our Tunnel Vision show a little bit later on, uh, the live show, so you can check that out. We'll put the podcast feed right here where you can get any of the Peristyle podcast uh, audio. And you did a family feud we early, did. earlier in the week. That we was did. That seemed like a lot of fun. It was, yeah. It's always fun with those guys. They're hilarious and a lot of they're a handful <laughs> it's oh you have to you're like uh herding cats it's good no yeah, you're that's wrangling. my job at this place right. <laughs> herding all the cats <laughs> there's a lot of cats to herd yeah uh well if you have any comments questions feedback concerns about the show uh the best place to do it just email us podcast at uscfootball.com or if you'd rather call or text us uh we got a text we got a voicemail to play for you guys today 424-254-9141 let us know which um, show you want to leave the voicemail or text message for or email for and we will read it play it talk about it on the show uh, also if you have the apple podcasting app on any of your devices we do appreciate a five-star review helps grow the show we got a couple new ones this week and we're gonna give you a little bonus if you leave us a five-star review we read it we like it it's the best one of the week we're gonna give you a 50 dollars gift card to trader joe's so we got a couple new ones this week keely what do we got we did we have two First one's from Sasco Man, who gave us five stars and said, Loving it. Best way to follow Trojan football in season and out. Fair coverage even when the team is flailing. This old lifelong Trojan fan uh, can't live without this podcast. And then we got one, a five-star review from Eric Dunn, who said, I'd like to thank Keely and her team of USC football mm. experts on the in-depth, robust weekly analysis of all of of all of USC football, I must actually say the podcast have been more enjoyable than the SC games themselves. Thanks so much for all you guys do. God bless. Thank you. Hey, Eric. I think we're gonna, you're going to be our winner this week because Keeley's team. You <laughs> it's know. technically not my team, Eric, but thank you. Yeah. Uh, but I love the fact that he said that the podcasts are more entertaining than the actual games. So. It says something about the season, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, we feel bad. It's, you know, the season obviously isn't going very well. It's been Several seasons that haven't gone very well. So the people that stick around and still want to listen to the show and go to the website, we do appreciate all you guys for doing that. So Very uh, thankful for them, for sure. Eric, send me an email at podcast at uscfootball.com, Ryan at uscfootball.com, and give me your address, and I will send you a $50 Trader Joe's gift card in the mail. It's snail mail. It's not like I can't give you a code. I have to mail it to you. But So old school. So just give me your address. And we'll take care of it. And, I, you know, go over to TraderJoes.com. They got a new Fearless Flyer coming out in a couple of days. And I don't, you know, I'm not a vegan guy. I don't really talk about this stuff. No. But the very first picture. Okay, so Thanksgiving is coming up, which I love. It is. Autumnal uh, season is Trader here. Joe's breaded turkeyless stuffed roast with gravy. It looks really good. So this is a vegan recipe. Okay. It's a roast. Uh, it's stuffed. And you you cut it up and you bake it. And they're putting gravy on it with some mashed potatoes and uh, green beans in the picture. And it just looks really good. So I'm like, I'm oh, going to yeah. give some love to the, the vegan community. Shouts to the vegans. Um, because this does look good. Nice. I'm going to, for Thanksgiving, I'm probably going to my cousin who lives out in Temecula. She's pretty vegan-y. So I'll, I'll fry a turkey. But pretty she'll, vegan-y. Yeah, I don't think it's like all the time. More vegetarian-y. But like, okay. they'll eat like fish and stuff. Um, you know, And her kids, I think, will eat some meat. But she doesn't really... But I'll deep fry a turkey out there. It's your thing. That's my thing. I'll do that. But she'll have some stuff. So I'm going to try some some of her vegan recipes, nice. which I, I when I try them, it's not bad, you know? Yeah. You seem like a Thanksgiving guy. But I love Thanksgiving. Like yeah. my favorite meal of the year. Wow. Yeah. Like I would say, <laughs> I mean, stuffing, turkey, mashed potatoes. 
Yeah. I like making corn yeah. into the mashed potatoes. Nice. Um, is it blasphemous to talk about uh, Thanksgiving before Halloween has even arrived? I don't think so. Okay. Is it? I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't know how holiday codes go. Yeah. Go check it out. Uh, you know, on Trader Joe's. Trader Joe's. Trust Trader Joe's. TJ's. Yay. Thanks for all of that. Okay. Uh, well. Yes. USC um, didn't play well in South Bend. We were there. We were there. Yes. And uh, we don't have to go over that very much, but it was, um, meh, you know, Notre Dame wasn't great. USC certainly wasn't great. USC showed more fight than we've seen, yeah. but still not the greatest of efforts. They had more yards than Notre Dame. Outgained them, yeah. But, you know, we put a protest in. It didn't matter. They still gave the higher score, the win, <laughs> but still, you know, it's worth an effort. Is that is that a thing, right? I don't think it was a thing. Okay. But, uh People talk. <laughs> it's funny. We were like making jokes. So um, on the podcast of champions, sometimes like total yard. There's some stats that people have, you know, their traditional stats are just like total yards, and the advanced stats community like kind of makes fun of some of those stats. Like it doesn't matter. Like time of possession. Sometimes it matters. Sometimes it doesn't. Like total yards. Like well, this team had more total yards, but you know Notre Dame played better. They scored more points. Yeah. And uh, it was Colorado. I think had like 104 yards total in the game. And I'm like, David, you know, total yards doesn't matter. It's like, well, okay. When you only have 104 total yards, that does kind of matter. Sure, yes. Um, but for USC, like getting more yards than Notre Dame, like our friend Alicia likes to say, sort of some empty calories empty there. Empty calories. Uh, USC had some empty calories in South Bend. Don't feel like they ran out of time. Like, uh, No. Dante Williams said. But they're going to try to lick their wounds and bounce back against – and Arizona Wildcat team, Keely, that, uh, I don't know if you know this, it's been wildly reported, though. You, widely. You specifically, yes. 19-game losing streak. Not so great. It's been over two calendar years since Arizona won a football game. It was like early October of 2019 is the last time they won a football game. Wow. Yeah, that's not, that's not so good. But if you know this too, um, USC hasn't won a Pac-12 game in the Coliseum this year. And in fact, they've been blown out by teams. Historical losses. Historical losses. Uh, you know, high point totals for their opponents. Like yeah. Stanford, I don't think they've scored that many points again. Um, Oregon State, Utah, just beatdowns on USC. Now, I don't think that's going to happen for Arizona, but it gives you a little pause. Like USC has not played well. At home. One game under Clayton, two of them uh, under Dante Williams. So this will be uh, this will be an interesting one. It's homecoming. Yeah. Some tailgating stuff going on. Uh, we're not doing, just so you know, we're not doing a tailgate uh, this week. We might do one for like UCLA or BYU. You're still trying to figure that out. But um, yeah. But yeah, I don't know, Keely. This is, uh, it's sort of like USC's lost their last couple games. You're coming home. Is the motivation factor going to be there? Is Arizona going to be motivated after the heartbreaking loss to yeah. Washington? I think they're going to be motivated because they want to try to win a game. Yeah. They almost beat USC last year. They probably should have. Uh, they dropped an interception at the end of the game that would have sealed it. I don't know. This is a 21-point spread. We'll talk about picks and stuff, but like, yeah. I'm I'm taking Arizona to the points like all day long, but I don't know. What, what are your thoughts about this one? Yeah, this is a weird one for sure, especially if you look at you know what these teams are coming off of. I know we watched the Washington-Arizona game. We were like, hey, is this going to be the win for them? And, and it looked like they were really hungry for it, obviously. So I think that's definitely going to be motivation coming into the Coliseum. And on top of that, you have a USC team that just can't get it done in the Coliseum. No. And, and have lost in ways that have just been mind-boggling. And so it's it's one of those things where you can't say, oh, they'll take care of business, you know, the Trojans. Like, you, you, you can't say that necessarily. Now, they should be able to control the controllables, which is play better than a bad Arizona team. Like, that should be at least the standard. Because I've always said, like, we don't really know what we're getting from this USC team week to week. This is something where we should know. Like, you shouldn't lose to this Arizona team. But... Like I've said, you can't really predict anything with this USC team. So it'll be interesting. But, I mean, I think it's interesting coming into this week thinking about what Dante Williams has kind of done. And something that Shotgun said earlier in, like, the Dante Williams tenure was, is his discipline, uh, tough demeanor going to wear on the players a little bit? And I think we've seen a shift of that a little bit because he's talked about this week about how it's still football still needs to be fun. 
obviously you're not going to give away participation trophies, but you still need to have fun playing football because that's how partially how you get wins. You know, you yeah. enjoy the game you're playing. And we saw that in spurts in practice this week. Um, he And apparently in team meetings, Dante talked about um, bringing the juice, bringing the juice to practice. Yeah. And so there's apparently a juice crew. Uh, we saw them <laughs> kind of create a tunnel. It's kind of if people have seen the videos, it's kind of like the, the senior tunnel that that players make on the last practice of the regular season for the seniors it was kind of like that but instead of players walking out when players were walking in uh like Kanai Malga, Solomon Tuliolapupu, guys like that were kind of cheering players on and like slapping them on the helmet as they came in and kind of just boosting the energy a little bit and then I was talking to Chris because uh, he was at practice on Wednesday and he said you know uh Dante gave him like kind of rally towels so that uh we've seen some players when they don't have any responsibilities during the special teams practice or period of practice, they kind of stand around. Well, he gave all those players and even the support staff, like kind of like the Steelers, like rally towels or whatever, um, the terrible towels. And apparently they were just waving them around during the special teams uh, portion of practice and getting everyone pumped and like right. jumping around. Cause so that's kind of the boring part of practice. It is the boring part <laughs> of practice for sure. And so apparently just trying to like boost things up a little bit and get the energy. And I thought that's something that USC at least did bring against Notre Dame. The sideline was fired up. It looked like guys were refreshed and like really wanted to play in that environment, in that atmosphere. So if they can transfer that to home against an opponent where, you know, this could be a real opportunity for USC. You can kind of tune things up a little bit and get confidence back. You know, talking to offensive coordinator or excuse me, offensive line coach Clay McGuire, Jonah Monheim, he really struggled uh, in South Bend, and he said, you know, we need to get Jonah's confidence back, and I think this is a perfect game to try and do that against against Arizona and kind of boost his morale a little bit. So, and, and that's a, a one way you can do that, but I think overall the team, you just need to boost the 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 morale, you know? It's yeah. not fun losing, obviously, and this is an Arizona team where you could take advantage of that and, and get a good win under your belt. So you hope that USC can do that if you're a USC fan, but I just this team's been so unpredictable. Yeah, and it, the problem is, I mean, if you want to get a win, you know, you've lost your last couple times you've run out there. You want to get a win. This is a great team to play to get a win because they yeah. haven't won, yeah. you know. Um, but <laughs> but do you really get super fired up to play a team that hasn't won yeah. in their last 19 games? And do you sort of like, eh. uh, I mean, you went from South Bend, all this tradition. Amazing atmosphere. Amazing atmosphere to... It's going to be homecoming, but I just don't think there's going to be that many people in the stands. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I mean, it, it might be tough to be, I mean, for either team. And yeah. To, you know, if, if Arizona's demoralized because they were this close to a win, I feel like they can bounce back and just try to get a win wherever they can. But for USC, you shouldn't, you should be up for this game. It wins are not easy. Uh, you're under 500. You can't just overlook Arizona because they're hapless because you've been pretty hapless <laughs> season too. Yeah. But we know, I mean, this is a long time to go with an interim head coach. Like yeah. you are unprecedented territory to go like it's almost difficult. a full season. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, it's just hard to tell what to expect um, from this team because we felt like any of those games, Stanford, Oregon State, Utah, there would have been more fight, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Those teams played, their opponents played well against them in the Coliseum, and USC did it. I mean, they could come out and not play well against Arizona. I mean, the talent disparity, though, is so bad. Like, it is yeah. it is ridiculous how bad it is. Like, Jed Fish brought in a lot of transfers on the defensive side, and they've been contributing. They got some dudes. Um, I mean, but they're on their third-string quarterback. Two, you know, first two guys are out for the season. Um, none of them had looked great. I mean, it's just... It's just not a great Arizona football team. It's a really bad Arizona football team. It's the longest losing streak in college football. You know, no one's lost more games in a row than Arizona. Like, that's the team you're playing. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know what USC is going to come out and do. But you feel like they need to make some sort of statement to get out there and, and get some fans excited again. Because there's going to yeah. be a couple of good games coming up. I mean, the Arizona State game is going to be good. That's on yeah. the road. But, you know, BYU hasn't lost in the Pac-12. Yeah. No one has more wins against Pac-12 opponents than BYU. Best team in the Pac-12 South. <laughs> they have four wins. Yeah. No one else has more than three. And those are teams that play in the conference. UCLA, of course. You know, mm -hmm. there's there's some big games. So, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what to expect here. But it, just getting this team up for it. If the team, if USC comes out and is motivated, they I think they can win and cover the spread. But if there's any questions, I, I don't think they will. 
Yeah, and this is a game where, and you just mentioned the rest of the schedule, you got to win this one if you're USC to to put something under your belt to get toward bowl eligibility. Like we're at that point where we're kind of looking at the schedule and saying, hey, can they be bowl eligible? And that's something that they should do not only for themselves, but for Drake London, who's potentially on a historic season. I yeah. mean, he talked to us this Tuesday and he said, not only do I want to keep like, because some people are asking, hey, at what point does he kind of step back a little bit and save himself for the NFL for the like, draft? Like, literally shut it down for the rest yeah. of the season. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm done. I don't need to do anymore. Well, but first, he's not doing that. Yeah, no, no, no. He said, you know, I not only do I want to play out the rest of the season, I want to play in the bowl game. You know, and, and he he should because, I mean, he's having an amazing season. And obviously, you got to lock down that Blitnikoff. But, you know, first of all, and <laughs> I'm just going to add, I don't know how he just takes the hits that he does runs as hard as he does after the catch and is still powering through the season. It's incredible because I've seen the hits up close and personal during the game on the sideline. And I'm like, <laughs> I would be out for two weeks if I took that hit, you know, 20 targets is ridiculous. It's just insane. I know. And so, you know, you, you got to get this win for not only bowl eligibility, bowl eligibility if you're USC, but just for Drake London, give him more opportunities to put his talents on display. You know, I think that's at this point, because we talked about before the Notre Dame game, what does this team have to really play for? And it's like, okay, rivalry games, well, you lost to South Bend. Play for Drake London. Make this a good season for him to finish his Trojan career, because that's kind of what you're playing for at this point, besides, like, developing the younger guys, you know? Yeah. that's kind of It's kind of the weirdness of, of, like you said, having an interim head coach at the start of week three. It's just weird. I think he has the most catches anyone's ever had in Power 5 play through seven games or something so like it's ridiculous like yeah i think he actually put out that stat earlier like uh, on instagram or something i yeah. believe he like he, he's got a crap load of catches um he, yeah most catches ever through seven games by a power five wide receiver yeah 79 receptions that's a lot you know you're <laughs> 79 receptions it's insane uh yeah so you're you're averaging more than 10 per game um, that's a lot. That's a lot of, uh, time to catch a ball, but we've seen games where he's just been targeted to just, you know, they're, they're hitting him even when he's not catching the ball, they're trying to physical him to the point, be physical with him to the point that he doesn't want to play anymore. Well, that hasn't been the case. He keeps wanting to play and it's a lot. It's a lot for him to go through. I, I did a uh, PAC 12 radio this morning and you know, they're asking about that. I mean, like you see him at the end of the game and it's like, it's like an end of an action movie where like the hero is sort of like Indiana Jones is just like, there's bruises, there's bumps. He's just kind of walking like, oh, you know, yeah, it's, like, yeah, yeah. Out it's, of not the rubble. Year, it's not the years, it's the mileage kind of thing. And you're <laughs> yeah. like, he's got some mileage on him this year. Oh yeah, you know? I know. So the fact that he wants to keep playing and doesn't, you know, wants to play the bowl game. That's great. But USC needs to reward him with that. Yeah. Now the issue is how do you get to a bowl game? You're, you got to win three or next five, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Arizona hasn't won. Yes. Looks pretty good. Yeah. Cal is pretty terrible, but they just beat Colorado like 26 to three or whatever it was. I mean, that's on the road. Like, I mean, I, I you got to beat Cal. Like you got to beat Arizona and Cal. I think Arizona state actually looks good, you know, uh, especially when you're playing them at home. BYU, like we said, hasn't lost in the, in the pac 12 and UCLA has been pretty up and down, but, if you beat those two teams, then you got to win one of the ASU, BYU, UCLA series. And, you know, they could win more of them, but we've just not seen this team play super consistent from week to week. So that you want to get bowl eligible, you have to take care of business on Saturday. Like, yeah, you exactly. lose to Arizona, like, all yes, bets are off. Technically, you could become bowl eligible, but you will not become bowl eligible. Like, because you, you just lost to Arizona, who's really, I mean, Really, really bad. I feel like if I hadn't covered the 2018 season, I'd be like, oh, they're, they'll they'll find a way to become bowl eligible. But remember in 2018, we were like, okay, well, they're, they're, they're going to play ASU. They're going to play Cal. They're going to play a 2-8 and eight UCLA team. There's no way they're not going to – they're going to drop the next three games. Oops. And then they did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's the only reason why I have pause here and be like, are they going to be bowl eligible? But now – and we could look really dumb saying this now looking back at it, but – like I said, this team is so unpredictable. I just don't know. 
So we shall see. I had a question for you, Ryan, since you're the Pac-12 sure. guru. What do you oh. make of this uh, Arizona defense, specifically the passing defense? Because they actually like they actually have a relatively good passing defense, but I don't know if that's because of the quality of opponent they played. Yeah, so uh, they did bring in a bunch of transfers who actually performed pretty well. Like, um, and you look at the stats; they're up there, like one of the better pass defenses in the Pac-12. They're now, second in the Pac-12. Second in the 13th Pac-12. 13th in the nation. Yeah. So, I mean, significant. Like, that's that's real. We've seen a lot. I mean, USC's defense is like 90th or 98th in pass defense. Like, there's, it's bad. Like, USC's not been good in the pass defense. Arizona has. Now, there are teams that have definitely just sort of like, hey, we're going to run on this team. And it's, it, you know, um, not really doing as much. But, like, they they were feisty on the road at Oregon. You know, they this is a – it's it's hard because – you look at Arizona and you look at Colorado, like the two clear worst teams in the conference. Colorado blew out Arizona. Now, this was a 6 nothing game, and, you know, uh, Arizona's uh, quarterback got hurt, threw a pick six with, like, a broken thumb or whatever it was, block punt. Like, it just sort of spiraled out of control. But Arizona was in that game. But the fact that Colorado beat them head-to-head, you're like, okay, Colorado has to be better. But Colorado's looked way worse in most of their games than Arizona has. Like Arizona, like was with you know they've covered spreads against better teams. Um, they were you know they should have beat Washington. They were definitely in it against Oregon. So they, I mean, you could look at them as being the more dangerous team. They can actually run the ball pretty well. Um, they play pretty good pass defense. Like you're just trying to find nuggets of how could this team have success like when you look at Colorado's offense it might be the worst overall unit not just in the Pac-12 but in the country like they are bad like trying to get over a hundred yards is wow they are awful I don't think anything's that bad like maybe the quarterback position play has been that bad but they got uh like Joyner is a former high school quarterback I actually asked Dante Williams about him yeah on Thursday morning and you might see a lot more wildcat stuff with him who he can throw the ball to. Um, they've got some backs that can, some, they might play four running backs in this game. Um, Arizona can do some things as bad as they are. Like you, I, I want to say they're better than Colorado, but they've, they fought better than Colorado in some of these games. So I think USC, if they play an average game, will certainly win. But if they play poorly, or if they don't come out, I mean, they could lose this game, which seems baffling, you know, at yep. this point. And Dante Williams said as much in the Thursday presser. He said, you know, it's been close-ish games up until the fourth quarter uh, with Arizona. Like, the the record kind of lies this season. So, do you feel like it could come potentially come down to the fourth quarter? Or do you think it might just be Drake London is just too good for this team and they take over? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be, like, USC is going to probably get their yards like they normally do. But this is a this is a better... Um, pass defense than we've, we've you know USC's faced most of the season at least yeah. you know, in general yeah. statistically, um, and Arizona you know Washington has a really good secondary. I think they have the best one, the best pass defense in the in the conference, and you know they had a little bit of success. Uh, that you know Gunnar Cruz is out. Um, you got Will Plummer. They were throwing mostly underneath stuff, but he had a fairly high. I think he completed like sixty five percent of his passes, something like that. Um. He's going to have more success against USC secondary that's been pretty bad, you know. Um, so I feel like there's some things where you can build some momentum if you're if you're Arizona and try to get, you know, keep this close. But USC's, you know, they didn't score a touchdown against Notre Dame until the fourth quarter. Yeah, I feel like this could be a close game in the fourth quarter. You know, do we see Drake London get 15 catches for 185 yards and no touchdowns? Or like... 13 for like 150 and like three touchdowns that like if it's that like that it's you know yeah. then you're gonna blow them out probably. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but it might not be that it might be a whole bunch of yards and not the the scores and if Arizona runs the ball and keeps it close and you know turnover here or there um you know we, Will Plummer threw some pretty bad I mean he threw an interception on like a screen pass but I yeah it's there's a, I think there's just kind of a wide range of things that can happen. And if you're USC, you just have to take care of yourself and take care of business. But we just haven't seen them do that. And it it didn't seem to matter how good or bad the opponent is. It's just yeah. USC sometimes just can't get out of their own way. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other variable that I'm curious about, I'm kind of like weirdly taking over hosting <laughs> of uh, duty, sorry. Uh, 
Jackson do Dart that later, you know. True, Jackson Dart, uh, Dante Williams. It's a, it's weird because even when when Dart could barely walk on his knee, uh, leading up to the Oregon State game, Dante made it sound like oh he could be a possibility. But this was the first week that Dart was fully cleared and got to practice as such. Do you expect to see a Dart package this weekend? What's your feel for that? Yeah, we we asked them about Dart this morning, and uh, what did he say? It was like, he looks good to me. Um, he should be good to go. I don't – I mean, it just seems like whenever you ask about an injury, I don't believe really what's coming out of their mouths. They're just kind of being vague. Or If you could ask him five minutes later, he might say something different. Like, that's the feeling you get where it's just sort of like whatever comes to his mind, he's going to say. Um, you know, he's still wearing a brace. What makes Dart special is the fact that he – can move you know and Mm -hmm. i don't know if he's going to be able to move as well um my gut is graham harrell just wants to play keaton slovis you know fans i mean i you're you're getting on your mentions my mentions like they all want dart and we i don't think it's fair to just say like you know put throw slovis under the bus like that or oh slovis is the worst if you just put dart in then everything's better it's like no no, that's not the case um dart very well might be better you know but whatever like it doesn't it's just people think it's an easy fix and I don't think it is. Um, I got a feeling though, that we're going to see some dart. I think that's what just from reading between the lines, I think that's what Dante Williams wants. Um, They need to get some juice going. And if he does play and USC should blow out, you know, Arizona, uh, I think it's going to help the team. Now, does it, hurt Keaton Slovis going forward. If their fans are like, if he comes in and does, you know, runs in a touchdown or something on the goal line or whatever, or throw it, you know, fake it and then throw a touchdown and sort of like take away some of the glory of Slovis. If they have a big game. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that could, that could upset things a little bit too, but the fans want it. You want to get people excited. And that's one thing that will get people excited. So I, my gut is he's going to come in and we're going to see some packages for him. I think Slovis will start. And we'll see some packages. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's what you said about how what makes him unique is his his running ability. And to be fair, I think he throws just incredible balls as well. But I don't know if he's because I saw because he, he actually got into live team periods on Tuesday, and there was a point when the pocket kind of collapsed and he kind of had to move out of the way a little bit, and he just looked hobbled. Like it just ah. didn't look like he's ready to escape if he needs to and so that to me is kind of I don't know if you want to do that you know like there's really no point besides giving him experience but you can do that later in the season and also not burn his red shirt at the same time you know so yeah I I I don't know And, and Dante to his credit has talked about how you know he's looking out for the long term health of of uh Jackson Dart so whether that's waiting another week maybe I don't know but I just, you know, with USC and their injury history, I would wait. You know, I, I, to me, I don't think that it really fully matters this season. But if if Arizona's an opponent where you kind of want to get some reps in, then maybe at the end, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if if there's any indication of like, hey, he's hobbled a little bit. Yeah, I don't think you should play him at all. Do you want to get a little spark? You could put in Miller Moss. You know, you could you could bring in. The other freshman quarterback, he's played in one, you know, one snap in one game. Um, you know, that might be something that's not. Or if there's a blowout situation, play Miller Moss and don't play Jackson Dart. If he's hobbled at all, like, yeah, there's no, I don't think there's any reason. You don't want to put him at risk at all. Um, you know, if you need him to beat Arizona, like you've got bigger problems. Yeah. It's really just more to kind of, if he's 100% healthy and he can run around, he's fine. It would just get people more excited. And it's, yeah. but you can't, you can't say, well, it's going to get people more excited, but he's not a hundred percent and it's going to, you know, potentially hurt him more like, no, then there's no yeah. point of, of yeah. doing that. Yeah. You um, can't do that at the cost of his overall health and his long-term health. And I asked him this week, I was like, cause I saw that moment and I kind of asked like, how do you feel like with the brace and whatnot? And he like played it off. He was like, I feel fine. I feel great. Right. But I mean, that's what gamers are going to say, but I don't know. I just don't. I think he would at least wait another week. I just don't think he's 100%. I think the whole thing moved really fast, and you just want to heal that knee and make sure you're good. Yeah. You, you don't know what's going to happen. It's not like you're wearing a, a yellow jersey, practice jersey out there on no. the costume field. Like These guys are going to come at you, and there's going to be no, like, 
easygoing stuff. So it seemed like he wanted to come back as quickly as he could. Too. Oh yeah, yeah, um, he did. But we've seen the the adults in the room sort of fail these kids time and time again. Um, I mean, the fact that they have to have an interim head coach for ten games or eleven games. That's adult failures. That's not on the kids. That's on the you know the the coaches, the administration, and all that kind of stuff. The people have made decisions over the last several years have led you to this point. You got to be protective if there's any question whatsoever. Um, so hopefully that's the case. But yeah, I know I I kind of thought we'd see him, but talking to you, Keely, <laughs> did I just talk I, you out of it? Well, I mean, if I was head coach, which I'm, obviously I'm not, that would be my call. But again, I'm not in the the position of Dante who's still trying to recruit and salvage a season. So yeah. We'll see. All right. Um, let's see. Anything else from practice? Oh, there's some we're seeing uh coach, I mean, uh former players weigh in, like Carson Palmer brought up the Mike Tomlin thing and Tomlin like just went off on the podium. He didn't sound like he wants to be a college head coach, I can tell you that. Um, I think it's also just a it was like a softball to have him kind of fire up the Steelers fan base, you know? Yeah. So that's true. I think that's kind of that's how I saw it, you know. Yeah, Anthony Munoz, we put up a story on uscfootball.com. He um, you know, did an interview, Lindsey Rhodes and uh, same sort of thing, just talking about it, you know. There's but there's not a lot. There's not a lot going out there right now, you know. Um And we did warn that coming into this whole situation that Mike Bone, Brandon Sosna, they like to keep things very quiet about the hiring process and the search process. Yeah. So it's gone according to what we predicted. Yes. Uh, I think they're trying to do everything they can to keep things as quiet as possible. I think if you are worried, just think back to the kind of, you know, the flaming arrows that were, th- you know, shot in their direction every moment that Clay Helton was still the head coach. And I don't think... I think it wasn't something they ignored. They definitely had acknowledged that this was going on. I don't think they could ignore it if no. they wanted to. Uh, when President Fult would tweet something and every you know about you know some cancer research and all people are mentioning is fire Clay Hilton, fire Clay Hilton. I think they understand how important this hire is to their legacy um, to USC football. If you want to do it, you know this is all you're going to be judged upon is this hire. So. Um, I don't think, you know, they're concerned about what the perception is. They're just concerned about who they get. And yeah, I think the best way they can do that is to keep things in their minds, keep things as quiet as possible and do their research and do everything that they feel is the best thing. And, you know, they're, I feel like they're doing stuff and there's kind of these smiles on the faces. Like people don't even know, they don't know this. They don't know that. And um, we're doing this, we're doing that. And we'll see if it pays off or not, you know, cause you can have the best plan available and like everything's lined up for this amazing candidate and something falls through and now you're going to plan B or C. And I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot that could go right. There's a lot that could go wrong, but I think they're doing what they think is best to try to get them there. And ultimately what you want to do is hire the best person for the job. And I, I have a lot more confidence in this staff doing it than any other administration that we've seen, you know, probably in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree there. All right. Well, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and do some questions. Questions. Is that cool? Sounds All right. good. Back in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, 
or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. We're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Got to get to some questions, uh, Keely. We had a uh, voicemail from our buddy Curtis uh, on the Harvey Hyde show. He was at a question about Max Gibbs, I believe I played it. Well, just behind the scenes, how the sausage is made. Apparently, I played an older voicemail. Curtis, it wasn't on purpose. He called back and, and let me know. I'm like, I wasn't on purpose. Sometimes when you upload, I might have gave it the same file name. And when I uploaded it, mm. it grabbed the old one or something like that. And I didn't play a new one. Well, sometimes he leaves multiple voicemails. I don't play them all. I played one. So I will play one that he did send in. Uh, that's kind of interesting. But okay. Curtis, there was no... Uh, Ill will uh, directed towards you. Mistakes I, happen. I accidentally played a old voicemail because I probably named it the same thing you called in before to talk about it. But uh, here's Curtis's voicemail. Hey, Ryan Curtis from Moreno Valley. This is for you and the whole staff. Have you guys noticed how LSU announced after, I think, last week that they were going to have uh, – their head coach stepped down and and leave the program at the end of the season. See, they learned from the fallout of Coach Helton's firing after the second game of the season, after going five and one the season before. Just imagine how some of the kids felt. Most of them went through the five and one season, and they barely beat everybody, but they did go five and one with promise for this season. And after the second game, they played a terrible game and got blown out by what we know now is the Stanford team that beat Oregon later in the season. It was a knee-jerk reaction. They did it too quick. They should have announced after the second game that Clay Helton would step down as coach at the end of the season. Then you wouldn't have snatched the kid's heart out. Then you wouldn't have broke their hearts. Then you wouldn't have done what you did to them. Mike Bone, you better make a great hire because you sure helped to destroy the season with the firing of Clay Helton when you did. There, I said it. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Curtis, a little fire there. Wow, spicy. Uh, just for clarification, Stanford did beat Oregon, but they're also three and four, and they lost to Washington State and Arizona State and UCLA and of course the opener against Kansas State. So they're uh it's not like a great Stanford football team just because they beat Oregon uh without their offensive coordinator for that day. Um but anyway, I don't feel that Mike Bone made a mistake by doing it. Now, could you have fired him two years ago? Like, yes, we've argued we talked about that many, many times. Um I don't think keeping him around saying you're fired after two games and keeping him around specific situation for LSU seems fine. You know, you can do that. I don't think that was going to work at USC. The fans would have revolted. Uh, no one would show up. The, the main reason you're getting rid of Clay Helton is you need, no one was going to be going to games. Like yeah. there was going to be complete. I mean, there are people protesting Curtis that they don't want Clay around. You had to get rid of him. They made some calculated risks, um, decisions based on those. And I feel they were wrong. Like they probably lost more money keeping them than they would have had to just buy them out. It just wasn't very popular with the fans. Um, the pandemic certainly didn't help. I think if they could go back and do it again, they would fire them earlier than they did. But I'm not bl- like at that point, you knew at the Stanford game, he had to go. You might as well do it now. You've already paid him for the year. Just move on. I don't feel like USC would be, you know, I don't think they failed the kids by firing Clay Helton when they did. Uh, I mean, there's failures for the kids for sure. There's failures. Uh, but I don't think, I feel like this team is three and four. If Clay Helton's the head coach right now, 
if you fired him after two games and said, Clay Helton, you can play out the string or, you know, you just, you didn't fire him at all. I still feel USC is probably a three and four football team. I don't, do you feel any differently, Keely? Yeah. I mean, I think these are just apple and oranges situations. You know, coach O was beloved by the fan base. He brought them a national championship recently with one of the best college football teams we've seen. It was already so hostile for Clay Helton to be in his own like home stadium at the Coliseum. Like he was booed when he was interviewed at halftime. Now imagine if he's fired but still around. Like that would have been just bad. Like yeah. it, I can't imagine how awkward that would have been. And, the next time and, you lose a game, they're like, just get him out of there. Yeah, yeah. Like it just would have been very awkward, and no one wants to put anyone in that type of situation. And I think what needed was just a change. You know, and it's kind of hard to think about at this point because we're so it seems so far removed but there was just so much vitriol that you had to make a move and I think that was the best choice possible because otherwise if you wait if you put him as like the what LSU did it's just weird it just doesn't work it's the situation that USC had with how many poor losses that the team had not just coming into the, or in this season but prior to the season it was the obvious choice to make yeah so I I, I mean you could argue should have hired, f- fired him long before. Yeah, I'll listen to that all day. But when you, I, I like that they just pulled the trigger, uh, and you knew there's going to be problems. They still had a- aspirations of winning the Pac-12, right? They still felt like, hey, this is an easy schedule, and I mean they played poorly at home. They just haven't, they just haven't looked good. Um, but. They wouldn't have looked good with Clay Helton as the head coach. I mean, you could argue that they might have lost the Washington State game under Clay Helton because um, that was a comeback game and everything. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. But thanks, Curtis, for that one. Again, no, uh, we didn't do anything on purpose to uh, not play your stuff. We got an email from uh, Alex in L.A. who said, Hey, Ryan and team, I was wondering what you think about the possibility of Keenan Slovis coming back next year. I understand, of course, that if he is told he will be a high draft pick, he's gone. But at this point, do you think he would be? I don't think he will be now. Um, he just hasn't played well enough to be a high draft pick. Everything that he was going to be a high draft pick about was his 2019 season and building upon that. And he hasn't built upon that. I'm not blaming him for, I think it's, he's had failures in the offense around him. Um, you know, Graham Harrell was a head coaching candidate. He's not anymore. I don't think he would be anymore. No. Um, because the offense hasn't been good. Um, I blame him more on the offense than on Keaton Slovis. Now coming back, I mean, I, I, he potentially could, but it's so much is going to be determined by who the next head coach is. I don't see either coordinator coming back. Like, I don't think that's, I mean, I don't say never say never. Like Mike Tomlin said, never say never, but I would be willing to bet a significant amount of money that USC will have new coordinator. I don't know who the head coach is going to be, but I would bet significant amount of money that there will be new coordinators next year. Um, and so. Keaton and Graham are pretty tight. Um, that could, if you know, Graham is gone, that could be a reason that Keaton would want to go. But if they bring in some fun offense that, you know, quarterback friendly, does he want to stick around another year? I could see it. You know, I, I, it's just so much is going to be determined by who that head coaching hire is. I don't think you can make any kind of declarations of what's going to happen right now until that happens. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting how Dante Williams described what he wants to see from both Jackson Dart and Miller Moss going forward. Cause he made a comment about Slovis in that comment. And he said, Slovis is at the point where he's a little older. He's going to eventually move on to the next step for him in football. So I don't know what USC itself is kind of wanting from Keaton at that point. Are they ready to kind of look towards the future in that sense? I don't know. Um, but I do think like, and I've mentioned this before, it's been kind of weird how they've treated Keen Slovis in, since the Dart game because no one has fully come out and said, "Hey, Keen Slovis is our guy, a hundred percent." Like, you know what I mean? There hasn't right. been this backing that you would expect for a third-year starter in your system, but it's kind of been wishy-washy. And maybe that's just Dante Williams being a gamer, and you know, he talked about it this week about how whether it's going to be two quarterbacks at one, or one that's a problem for Arizona to figure out maybe that's a strategy of his but I just feel like it it doesn't send a very encouraging message to your starting quarterback right now 100% and I don't buy the whole gamemanship thing like you were doing this before the Oregon State game I mean Arizona is really bad if you need to rely on 
that kind of stuff. It just doesn't it doesn't make much sense. They were doing it before Notre Dame and you know, Brian Kelly was just coming out like, yeah, if we see him, he does this. If we see him, like it didn't seem to have much of an impact at all. And if anything, it's hurting your starting quarterback. Like he's never said that Keenan Slovis is a starting quarterback. Like I don't get, you know, he's third year starting, he's preseason pack all pack twelve quarterback. You're like, hey, he's our starter. Like, just back him, and maybe that helps him. You know, yeah, he hasn't played is, that well. This is a guy who's already like said that he's had mental issues at times, yeah. you know, confidence issues. And so, how is this helping him in that regard? You know, I don't know. And so, is there love lost between Slovis and the university because of that? I don't know. And and that's me speculating. But could a could a new head coach come in and, and kind of repair that? Is yet to be seen. And, yeah. and and Shotgun said on Family Feud, like, this could be more motivation for the team to play well in itself because if Keaton Slovis just goes off for the last couple of games and if it's a bad quarterback class, maybe he can sneak into the second round or something and that motivates him to leave. I don't know. But that, to me, seems unlikely in that sense. But I don't know. We will see. We will see. Yeah, you got to play well. I think if you play well, that sort of helps everyone. Like, oh yeah, the team it helps coaches. It helps everyone. But they haven't played well, so there's a lot of motivation for this team for individual people to perform. Yeah, and we just haven't seen it. Mm -hmm. We got a text from Jeff, class of '94, who said, uh, "Keely Shotgun and Funny Guy." Is that, is that me or Chris? It might be Chris. Oh, it might be Chris, actually. Yeah. That might be an insult to you. Not sure, but we'll, we'll go for yeah. you, Ryan. Would you guys take T. Martin in the gumbo offense or Harold in the garbage offense? I know Harold is the worst OC I've ever seen at USC. Is this the worst pair of coordinators ever at USC? Jeff, class of 94. Jeff uh, held no punches there. No. Um, I think it's an interesting question, though, because... The problem with the gumbo, it was so bad. And there wasn't an author. Like there was, it was like a book that didn't have, nobody had made a declaration on, you know, whose this was, was, was the playbook? Was it from Helton? Was it like leftover pages from the Sark and Kiffin eras that T got to look at and all the, the different quarterback coaches and Tyson Helton. And it just seemed like it was, everyone had their name on it somewhere. Like you were all like taking part. It was a collaboration of of crap you know it just wasn't very good <laughs> i was gonna say a collaboration of suck which you know that's probably fair <laughs> it was awful the thing i'll give harold is it's his and it's not like mike leach's he's made this his own he's made it worse it's not very good the fact that they run the football is different than what leach is doing but it's just not scoring points and uh i think shotgun pointed this out like you're there's um you know, tendencies of an air raid offense where they struggle once you the, the field gets condensed a little bit. USC does some of those things that should make it successful when the field gets condensed, condensed a little, but it's still still a struggling offense. Um, I'm going to give the nod to Harold just because there's at least one guy who's running it and, you know, creating it, and he could make some changes. Like, I don't know, the gumbo was just so like, you know, well, I'm going to change the seasoning, but the meat was still bad. Like I don't like Harold could theoretically fix this because he's the one running it all, you know? So I'll, I'll give Harold the edge in this one. See, I think this is a pick your poison type of thing. <laughs> Speaking of food references. Yeah. Yeah. Gumbo had no like direction. It was just like, what are we watching right now? But the talent, like you're talking multiple NFL wide receivers playing at one time. Whereas now, and I think this is not talked about enough, you have a guy running a scheme that is his scheme, which we didn't see prior, but it's basically the Drake London show. Yes. You know, I think wide receiver recruiting has kind of dropped off a little bit for USC in that sense. And so you're not at least having that second target that you know is going to be a, a reliable receiver. And so I think that is really hampering this offense. Um, and, and, and this scheme has its problems, don't get me wrong, but I think if you throw in another uh, top wide receiver that can make those tough catches that help, you know, I mean, Drake London has the most contested catches in the, the NFLs. I mean, excuse me, the, we're watching Thursday night game right now, Yeah, uh, the the college right now, which kind of lends itself to, does the scheme actually work? Cause you're kind of just t tossing up balls for right. Drake London. Yeah. But I mean, I think if you had m more talent at wide receiver than in what we've seen in prior seasons, I think that would really help this scheme. Yeah, I think the problem is when you have bad scheme, and I think there's the gumbo was bad, and this has been pretty bad. Uh, after the first year, it was it was pretty good the first year, and it's been pretty bad since. People figured it out, and and 
Uh, they haven't adjusted to it, and it's bad now. Talent can fix, you know, it can be an eraser for different problems. Like Sam Darnold erased a lot of issues by, oh, this play was terrible. I tried to run the play. It sucks. I'm going to go do something. And he would do it. And you're like, that wasn't the play, but Sam Darnold make it work. Yeah. You have Drake London who can erase a lot of stuff, and he has. And the fact that he has that many contested catches, like six more than the, ne the next highest guy, you know, seven games in, he has six more contested catches than the next highest dude. Not... Not like the average, like the next time, like no one's even close to him on that. Yeah. It just tells you, yes, he's probably not open a lot. They throw to him way too much. I mean, you, you can't throw to him too much, but if it was a great offense, you wouldn't have to throw to him as much as you do. And he's covered all the time. So they're not scheming him open. Yeah. So yes, that's an indica <laughs> indication that the offense isn't very good, that you have this one guy that has so many contested catches. Yeah. But that to your point about the 2019 season, Who's on that team? Michael Pittman, Amon Ross St. Brown, yeah. Drake London, Tyler Vaughn's, the UCLA game where each of them have 100 yards receiving. You know, I think that definitely helps. And like, yeah, four helps NFL that receivers. Scheme. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, I think that definitely boosts this scheme. And so that's why I think it's a pick your poison as far as which one you go with. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff, for that one. Yeah. Thanks. That's a, that's a good question. We had a question from Steve, USC class of 97, who said, Hi, Ryan and Keeley. I hope you had a great time on the trip to South Bend, despite the outcome of the game. At the halfway point of the season, it's abundantly clear USC has a lot of work to do to make it back to the pinnacle of college football. Do you think USC fans will be patient and give the new coach time to right the ship? Thanks and fight on, Steve, USC class of 97. Thanks, Steve. So I think it depends. Like, Jed Fish was a popular hire. Like, he's never been a head coach before at Arizona. He had Gronk come out in the spring game and catch a touchdown pass out of a helicopter and set a Guinness world record. And I think he was someone that fans got behind and they lose to Northern Arizona. Um, you know, he loses some fans, but they're going to give him some time and be patient. I think it depends on who the hire is. If it's a want, wah kind of hire, they're probably not going to be a lot of patience. Um, but if it's someone that you're excited about, you know, when Chip Kelly comes in to UCLA, you're like, man, Florida wanted Chip Kelly. Like, SEC teams wanted Chip Kelly. We got him. They're going to give him some time. Well, it's year four, and they're still pretty mediocre. So I feel like that's something with USC. If you get a big name uh, and someone comes in there and they're kind of struggling the first couple of years, I think the fans can be somewhat patient. Um, there might have to be some coordinator changes or whatever, things like that. But I feel like they're going to give him some time to, you know, get things right. It's been so poorly run for such a long time. If you get a good, like a name that people can get behind, they'll give them some time to, to fix things. And if you get a name that is good, I don't think it will take that long for it to show improvement. I'm a little surprised that Chip Kelly's just been as struggling as much as he has. If they get a name that's like that, like this is the guy other people wanted to, I feel like at USC you'll turn it around quicker. Yeah, I think so. I think this is definitely a fork in the road moment for, I think, just how people view USC football going forward. Oh, yeah. And what's weird and, and why I'm hesitating on this question is because, like, I feel like fans are so upset about how the season is going. And that makes sense. Like, these losses are, are bad. But it's an interim head coach. And, like, and, and Eric McKinney said this to me, which I thought was great. He was like, Clay Helton was the boat driver. He's not the captain anymore, but the boat has reached the dock. Like this was the direction the team was going, <laughs> and so I don't understand why people are surprised. And that's it's, it's perfect analogy because this is kind of where it was headed. So I don't know why people are so mad at this season because it's kind of a wash to begin with because it's an interim head coach. But like, is that impatience still going to transfer over to the new head coach, or will it reset because like a new guy's in there? You know? Yeah. No. It's like there was there was no changing the course of where this ship was going. Yeah. Like. Um, yeah. You know, you needed to do it before. Like they had already pushed off. You know, they had, uh, they they were out to sea, and like you throw the you know throw the captain overboard, that boat was still going the same spot. So yeah, yeah it's a good it's a good point. Right. But they gotta you know rehaul the you know just go through the you know, new to, cargo. Yeah, they, they got to take the boat out, get all the barnacles off of it. You know, redo all the woodwork. I mean, they got to do a lot of work to the boat, and then ship it off in the right direction with the right captain. But it, there was no changing where it was going this I mean, this if anything, maybe this, the the post-Helton season in 2021, buy some grace for the, the new head coach because I think prior to that, people who weren't as close to the team as maybe we are and see kind of the, the issues didn't understand how bad the issues were. And they yeah. kind of 
were brought to light with how bad these losses have been, you know? So maybe I think it's made people realize a little bit more, hey, these are some deep problems. These are some deep culture issues that really need to be reworked. And so maybe we should give the next head coach some more time. I don't know. But I think if, if USC just took off and, and ran post-Helton, I think that would give the new head coach no uh, breathing room in that sense. Yeah, I don't think there's something. So the problem, like when Mike Bone came in, was everyone just assumed that Helton was going to be fired. And what he wasn't, they sort of lost patience with him and the administration right away. Now they start to realize like, oh, how bad Lynn Swan and Pat Hayden screwed up before him and like put them in a really tough spot. But still, a lot of fans were like, I don't care. You just got to fire them and you know, spend the $40 million and get rid of them. Uh, but that, that sort of hurt things. I don't know if there's anything that could happen outside of like some kind of scandal. You hire the head coach. The whole offseason is going to be positive. Like they're going to be like, oh, they look better. The strength coach is better. The every, like there's always that offseason positivity that USC's had in spades for a long time. So I think you get some time just in that. Um, outside of like really just going out and tanking games, um, I feel like the head coach will get people kind of going in the right direction. Even, you know, like Pete Carroll's first year, six and six, but. There were some reasons for positivity. I think if they get a really good coach, you'll get reasons for positivity. Yeah. What a question from John in Oakland who said, Hello, Keely and Ryan. A question about the recruiting and a new head coach. Has the transfer portal changed the calculation for the urgency of hiring a new head coach to save a recruiting class? Does it, in fact, give more time for naming a new coach? Say a player is a USC commit, but signs in December with another school before USC names a new head coach. Then after USC announces the new coach at the end of December or early January, he decides he'd rather be at USC. Could the player then enter the transfer portal and transfer to USC? Would he have to sit a year or would he be immediately eligible since he hasn't yet enrolled into the other school? Fight on John. Hey John. Um, so it's definitely changed the timeline where I think you're going to see the silly season start earlier and earlier because it behooves you to get a, a, a head start because you would like to get a head coach in place. It's very difficult, though, to have much time um, between the end of the season and the early signing period. I hate the timing of the early signing period. So do I. It's, it's awful. Horrible. It's like the middle of bowl season. It's, you know, you're trying to get ready for bowls. You're trying to sign your whole class. If it was just you sign a few players, which I think that's what they wanted it to be, fine. It just became you sign everybody. And it's just the timing of it's just awful. And awful. for head coaching stuff, I don't think it helps the players. Um, have an early signing period in like July or August where a few players can sign. That quarterback in the class that wants to sign, let them sign. Everyone else sign in February. You're pushing things through. We don't know specifically what USC's thinking. My, my gut instinct is that you're not going to hire someone just to save a recruiting class. Like the hire is more important than the class. Now, yes, you have to win with the players, but you're making a long-term decision with the head coach. And if you have to wait until January 1st to make the head coach, but you feel this is going to be the perfect hire, then you got to do it. I don't yeah. think you can let the recruiting class change that, but no. ideally you want to get someone in before. Um, but the transfer portal certainly helps, you know, if, a player, if a coach comes from one school, like he can bring players with him. You can transfer one time without sitting out. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're allowing more transfers. You, know, you can get a bigger class with transfers, you know, to offset transfers out of the program. There's going to be high turnover for everyone just going forward. Like you could be the second team quarterback. Uh, Will Levis is, you know, he was Penn state's backup. He's now undefeated at Kentucky or whatever. Right. Um, cause he can go play right now and go have success other places. You're going to see people transferring frequently, but when you have a head coaching change, there's going to be even more turnover, more people going out, more people coming in. So yes, I, I feel like the problem is, and it's going to make the new coach's job harder. You had a bad recruiting class in 2020 and now you're going to have a bad one in 2022, almost certainly. Um, now can you delay it? Can you get some people to hold off on signing and sign in February? And there's a name you can get excited about and they they salvage the class. You know, there's some potential there, but I don't feel like this is going to be something that um, it's going to turn out well as far as if you're just a fan of the recruiting classes, this is probably going to be like the season, almost like a throwaway one, uh, unless somehow you get someone in the next few weeks. But it's either way, I think it's going to be tough.
Yeah, I think it's going to be tough. And I think this USC admin sees the bigger picture where they would rather make a hire that will impact the program for years to come versus in order to salvage one recruiting class. Yeah, you know? so, I think that's important. And I think the transfer portal helps with that mentality because ideally you would want player you could fill in those those holes with people from the transfer portal and whoever that head coach could potentially bring in with his name power you know yeah. so you can you can make that up in ways that probably we haven't seen clay helton and company do but a probably a powerful new head coach could do if they wanted to yeah and i mean i mean just usc's opponent this weekend arizona like they brought in a ton of transfers you know a new head coach brought in a bunch of guys you know and yeah that's not every time a guy's in the transfer portal there's a reason you know it's not always because yeah it's Justin Fields and he was behind a, and an, another NFL quarterback. Like there's reasons that people go in there and um, it can be hard. I, Utah's brought a bunch of transfers in and they had some chemistry issues and stuff yep, early on, you know, um, there's, it's not just a quick fix all the time. There are potential problems with that, but it's probably something that you're going to, it's going to be necessary because you're just not going to get the kind of class that you would normally would get. And then you look forward to 2023 and go on and try to get those classes with the new head coach, you mm-hmm. know, to be to be better. Speaking of two offensive linemen hit the portal this week, uh, Kingsley Sua Tua Mata. I can never get that right. Um, but apparently that's a homesick issue. So I don't know if USC is still in, run- in the running there because he was the USC was the number two choice. But I think Gerard said that it was a, a very not close second choice. Oh, so OK, we'll see. And then mm-hmm. there's another uh, guy who hit the portal who was a former USC target. So we'll see about that. Yeah. So there's Speaking I mean, of portal news. Yeah. Uh, the other issue, though, too, is like, you know, if this staff is evaluating the portal, it doesn't matter because most of the staff is probably going to be gone. Like you want to bring the new coach in and then they're going to have to, you know, it might be. Oh, do you retain Dante Williams? Do you retain Craig Nivar or whoever? Like you, you pick someone or some people and you keep them on. They probably have to have a really good knowledge of the portal. And if I'm a if I'm a coach in the USC staff, I'm studying the hell out of the portal right now because yeah. when I'm getting my interview to stay on with the new head coach, I'm like, you're gonna need me because I know what the hell's going on with the transfer portal. Um, and that would be that would be a selling point. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so we got an email from Stephen Poway, but we accidentally already answered his question. He wanted to know uh, what which games USC could win in order to be bowl eligible eligible but in his email he was saying that uh, he loves this usc team but is feeling a lot like the tw- uh, 2000 uh, team when paul hackett took the team to a five and seven overall record do you agree with that ryan does it have that feel that was prior to my time yeah i'd have to i mean i don't i'd have to go back and think about it off the top of my head but it was a pretty bad um season i mean this is i mean this is unique it's not going to be like USC's five and seven season from a few years ago. I don't think it's really going to be like the Paul Hackett one um, when he got fired. I mean, this is the, the hangover of the Clay Helton era that just went on way too long and then firing him and an interim head coach for this, this huge run. I mean, yeah. to me, this is a really unique and, and we don't know, like if you talk about 2018 at this point in the season, you wouldn't be talking about five and seven, like, so we yeah. don't know. Yeah, we don't know how it's going to turn out. Yeah. You know, like it could get a lot worse or it could get a lot better, you know? So I think it's too early to tell Steven, but I, that one was, I think those are all going to be pretty unique situations. And if USC ends up five and seven, I think the record's the same, but it's good. I think it's just going to be unique and it depends how it plays out too. It could be like a, like a lost Arizona and beating BYU or I mean, who knows, you know, yeah, like there'd be some be crazy wonky. stuff. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, it's time for our final question. It's an international one from Andy in Calgary, Alberta. He says, hey, Hi, Keely and crew. Well, one positive in all this mess is that we're getting some great articles from Dan Weber. I watched some of the Illinois-Penn State game and thought about Brett Bielema as a possible head coach for USC, not because they beat Penn State, but because of his his success at Wisconsin. What are your thoughts? Thanks and fight on. Thanks, Andy. Um, yeah, I think that's a stretch. You know, they're three and five at Illinois right now, but he just got there. You know, he's back in the big 10. He was good at Wisconsin. He was okay at Arkansas. Um, I mean, if he turned Illinois into a power in a few years and be a candidate, but I think it's sort of like, it's too early at that point. I don't think USC could, you know, if you're going to try to put butts in the seats in the Coliseum, he's not the guy that's going to do that. No. Uh, And I think they really, really, want to put butts in the seats in the Coliseum. I mean, that always helps. Yes. I think that's something they would love to do. I think 
it's a huge reason why Clay Helton was fired after two games. When you just realized how unpopular he was and how difficult it would be to try to sell, even if the team turned things around, the only way you could get any juice into that place was to fire Helton. And it did get some juice, but now they've pretty much stunk since then too. So, you know, I'm, I'm really curious to see what Saturday looks like. Cause it's homecoming. You know, there's a lot of, you expect there to be a bunch of people there. They keep announcing attendance of like 50 something thousand, but it just doesn't seem like there's that many people there. Is that going to be the case on Saturday? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. We shall see. All righty. Well, that's going to uh, wrap things up. Yeah. Uh, we got to turn things around and do a a live show here in in a few minutes. Um, but you know, what big play, uh, watching, (laughs) uh, watching some, uh, NFL Thursday night football. Uh, but anyway, I was asking over here. (laughs) Yeah. I was just like, Oh, that's kind of, that's kind of big play. There's a dude that was on my fantasy team that I traded in but you know, Hopefully the play you gets called. You have bad back. luck with your fantasy team. I'm actually in first place in both. Oh, uh, but yeah, but there's always weird stuff that happens. You, know, you complain it about it like you're not you're not first in your leagues. Yeah, uh, I mean, I was like dominating in the one league, and then I played like two people that just went crazy. Uh, and you're like, all right, yeah, that's this just happened sometimes. It's just fantasy, it but it does indeed. Uh, anyway, well, we're gonna. You don't care about my fantasy team. <laughs> I barely care about my fantasy. But that is uh, Keely Yor. I am Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show and enjoy Homecoming Weekend, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.